Welcome to the Generation Hustle Podcast, a show that explores the world of business, entrepreneurship, and culture, all centered around the millennial. I'm your co-host, Sheriston, alongside my good friend, Ellen. And today, we speak with Troy Birch from Great Lakes Brewery. A fiercely independently owned and operated brewery, Great Lakes is celebrating over 30 years in the craft beer business, making them one of the oldest craft breweries in Ontario. They specialize in producing flavorful beers that will be sure to awaken your taste buds with each sip. From unique seasonal ales, bottle condition releases, and premium lagers, GLB produces a variety of products to be enjoyed by everyone. So today, we speak with Troy, the marketing and communications manager, about his journey into the beer and spirits world. He details the importance of local breweries and how they compete in the ever-popular craft beer space. Troy also explains the amazing pivot the brewery made at the start of the global pandemic, where they recalled their beer kegs and began producing hand sanitizers to support the community. GLB is a true success story, starting out of a strip mall in Brampton, Ontario, to becoming one of Canada's most beloved and recognized craft breweries. We hope you enjoyed this fun conversation and highly recommend you crack open a cold one before you hit play. Hey, Troy, thank you so much for doing this. We appreciate you taking the time here. Um, So we just wanted to dive right into your story uh, and into your personal journey with Great Lakes Brewery. So um, maybe we can start off with just uh, your early early days and uh, how it all got started. So can you tell us about what about the beer industry besides beer itself uh, appealed to you and and kind of uh, the the grassroots of, of, of starting Great Lakes Brewery? Yeah, for sure. So first things first, I'm going to crack a beer. Um, oh, good. I can't yeah. I can't do an interview without a beer. And uh, I'm drinking Absacker. It's a nice German Hellas that uh, we have available uh, at our retail store and online right now for home delivery. So uh, cheers for having me on and uh, we'll get at her. Thanks. I actually tried to go get a uh, Canuck Pale Ale, but they ran out at the LCBO. So obviously a good sign, <laughs> but you know, yeah. Selling lots. Yeah. So, yeah. so I, I had a late um, night, so I'm just having coffee, but cheers. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. Uh, so uh, I've been with Great Lakes since 2012. Um, the company was founded in 1987 in Brampton, Ontario by uh, Bruce Cornish and four other gentlemen who wanted to uh, have a brewery around the, the Great Lakes, five different breweries. Um, and by 1991, they realized they couldn't do that. They ran into some financial hardships and uh, Peter Bullitt Sr. swooped in. Uh, bought the brewery, brought Bruce Cornish with them, uh, moved the brewery to Etobicoke to our present day location. And we've been uh, hammering out beers ever since. Um, My background on beer, uh, uh, I mentioned I joined Great Lakes in 2012, but uh, since I was in grade six, and I can remember the day and I have the long uh, version of this story, but in grade six, my stepfather was, uh, he owned a sanitation business and we would go out and pick up curbside garbage and recycles. And uh, the place where I grew up in and around that area, a lot of tourists, or sorry, cottagers, not tourists, a lot of uh, uh, cottagers. And so I'd see all these really unique beer bottles and beer cans, uh, places from Belgium and Germany that, you know, the people around my uh, area would be drinking, you know, the big domestic multinational lagers, but none of these beers. So I started collecting beer bottles and beer cans and said, when I grow up one day, I want to drink my wall. So mm. I was probably the only uh, grade sixer I know that had <laughs> you know, 300 bottles of beer and in, in cans on my wall, empty and clean, of course, but my mother uh, didn't have a problem with that. And I think that started my fascination of the beverage industry. Uh, fast forward many years, I went to uh, Georgian College in Aurelia, Ontario. I was a student council president, which meant we got to run and operate the student bar. 
And so I got to deal with different um, uh, beer brands uh, and their reps to see who we wanted to bring in and sell beer on tap. And uh, Steam Whistle was a brand new brewery. They came in and they said, uh, we're not going to do deals. We're not going to give you this, that, or the other thing. We're going to sell you beer. You're going to sell beer. People are going to enjoy it. And that really, I still remember that to this day. Uh, we went with Steam Whistle and I had that first drink of theirs and it was like an epiphany. I was like, this tastes so much better than that, uh, for lack of a better term, that that other stuff. That Yeah, uh, we know what you're talking about. We, yeah. we know what you're talking about. <laughs> and uh, that started it, really. Um, I, uh, I was going to college for policing and, uh, and after I graduated, I was working for the Ontario Provincial Police as a civilian in the 911 uh, dispatch and call taker. And then I moved over to a chief firearms position. Um, and then I moved to Halifax for a year, took a year off life with my then girlfriend, now wife, uh, went out to Halifax and got a job working for Alexander Keith's and the Olin Beer Company, mm-hmm. uh, which is Labatt uh, Breweries. They taught me so much about beer. And I decided when they were running me through all these technical programs and, and how to sell beer, how to taste it, how to pour it. I said, why am I drinking it? And I should be supporting the local independent brewers down the road that are putting their heart and soul into creating these beers with, with uh, all natural ingredients that are taking the time to uh, select hops from uh, different parts of the world that are going to really give it big aromas and big body, big taste, big flavor. And I started writing a blog. The blog took off. I moved back to Ontario, uh, started writing for a national beer publication, started writing the Canadian beer awards uh, bring words with uh, with that company and started Toronto Beer Week in 2010. Um, and that was a nine day festival in, in, in Toronto that uh, we sold a couple years ago. Um, and then in 2012, I made the jump to say, you know, I'm going to focus on one brewery. I'm going to work right. on one brewery. And Grey Lakes was my number one choice. And as luck would have it, uh, they hired me. So uh, that's the long winded version of how I got into beer, and how I landed at Grey Lakes. That's a great story. Like, I feel like every avenue that you went through, there was beer somewhere. So it was kind of like a sign that you were going to, you, you were stuck to this industry. Yeah, I was, uh, you know, and, and, and looking back on it, I always wanted to be a, a police officer. It was like my lifelong goal. Um, and once I started working for the OPP, even as a civilian, I realized this might not be for me. I like the flexibility mm-hmm. and freedom of, I have a little, I have that entrepreneur spirit, even though I don't own Great Lakes Brewery and I, um, I don't own a business. Toronto Beer Week was kind of my foray into doing that. And right. um, I work at Great Lakes as our marketing and communications manager, but I put in time like I am an investor. It, I I believe in the company so much and I believe in the owner of the company, Peter Bullitt, that uh, I don't work for the company. The company is part of me and I'm part of it. So uh, that's how I view it. Um, I, I pour my soul into into the brewery. For sure. Yeah. And that's a, that's the winning philosophy for any business, I would say as well. Um, so, so you mentioned obviously that you started out of Brampton um, so, or Great Lakes Brewery did. So can we talk about that as well? Um, and you're on the marketing side there. So uh, with the Great Lakes Brewery story, obviously they came from a small strip mall in Brampton to one of the most popular craft breweries in Canada, which to us is amazing because we're from Brampton and not a lot of things blow up like that. So can you talk to us about the strategy behind that? And what about the brand helped uh, kind of get to that level? So we have a long and interesting uh, history, unlike any uh, crep breweries, in my opinion, that are out there in Canada. Um, so we were one of the first waves of uh, craft brewers to reemerge after post-pro- 
post-prohibition. So mm-hmm. in Ontario, uh, prohibition was in effect from 1917 to, uh, I think it was 1926. Uh, so during that time, a lot of the mom and pop and independent uh, regional breweries, they were either sold off to the bigger companies like Labatt, Carling, O'Ke- or Carling uh, the Molsons of the day. And you started to see the homogenization of beer mm. and you get to the 1950s and 60s and you're seeing just uh, very standard light lager beers available across uh, Canada. Molson Canadian introduced Molson Canadian. Uh, Labatt introduced Labatt Blue. There was Carling Black Label and a bunch of these big multinational uh, loggers here in the in the country. You hit 1984 and you start to see this wave starting to come across Canada. And it started in the West Coast, then the East Coast, and then Ontario kind of came in right uh, 1984, 1985. Great Lakes in 1987. So again, that first wave of craft brewers post-prohibition. Um, and as I mentioned off the top, the guys who started the brewery back then, they had this goal of opening one brewery around the Great Lakes. So there was five co-founders. They each wanted to get one brewery going, then move on to another and mm-hmm. and, and and get going. But you didn't have social media back then. You had to rely on um, radio, television. And we all know how expensive that is today. Now think about back then when you're trying to convince people to drink craft beer. It's not telling people now to drink craft beer. It's drink my craft beer. But back then it was like, try craft beer. It's so different than what right. you're accustomed uh, to because generations of people came up with without tasting what a good India pale ale or a, a New England pale ale or uh, a good robust porter was like. So Great Lakes Open, uh, by 1990, they were falling on some financial hardships out in Brampton. Um, and Peter Bullitt, who was in the construction business, uh, was met up with one of the co-founders, Bruce Cornish, and decided, I'm going to invest. He always wanted to be in the booze business, uh, not necessarily beer, but he saw that as an opportunity. Um, and Great Lakes back then, while they were winning awards for their beers, they were brewed using, using malt extract. So it was more like a syrup that was fermenting mm-hmm. out. And, okay. and when they moved it to present-day location in Etobicoke, they switched that up to all-grain, all-natural brewery. Uh, brewing and from 92 to about uh, 2000 the brewery had some pretty tough times they were draft only no retail sales uh getting out to as many bars and restaurants across the province as they could uh but back then craft brewers were taxed at an absorbent rate and the brewery almost went under a couple times they had an infection in the brewery which is uh custom um in any brewery cleanliness and uh cleaning is a big thing and and so they had some struggles in the early days. Um, fast forward to the 2000 onwards, it wasn't really until about 2010 that Grey Lakes kind of really put their name on a map and mm-hmm. cut their beers out all across Ontario. But I can tell that story too after if uh, if you're interested in that for sure. Yeah, we'll get to that for sure uh, once uh, you know we establish some other stuff. I think that's a fascinating story of how something so small, but it's it's been there for like 30 plus years, but. Uh, again, with any business, there's ups and downs that everyone has to kind of factor in. So I know beer and the sphere industry specifically is co- probably one of the most competitive out there, especially now with so many craft brewers out there. Uh, first, I kind of want to understand the definition of what a craft brewer truly is, because, um, uh, you know, we just think like, you know, it's just another beer um, or whatever. But what's the true definition of a craft brewer? If I could answer that question for you, I would be a very rich man. 
Um, <laughs> everyone has a different definition of what a craft beer should be and what a craft brewery is. And I think that's the beautiful aspect of, of the term. Um, I look at it as independent, locally made, um, and you use your natural ingredients. And so that's kind of like the, 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 the core basic elements to me of what makes craft beer craft beer. Um, but it's also about community. Um, we bring in people from all over Ontario, but we have a very solid base uh, in the, the Etobicoke GTA community that we bring into, into our home, essentially. Um, and we, we do things for our community. We support our community. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that is the epitome of craft beer. Um, and we do it well. And uh, we firmly believe in uh, building communities will build a business. Uh, so I can't give you a definition. It's, uh, it's, uh, you know, if, if I, the Coles notes again would be independent, local, uh, the care about quality, freshness, ingredients, uh, and all the good stuff. So one of the things that sets us apart from a lot of our uh, comrades in the, in the beer industry is, um, our hashtag, we use it everywhere. Fresh GLB. Mm-hmm. We firmly believe that the beer consumers in Ontario should be consuming, should be fresh. So there is a reason why uh, you said you went to the LCBO on the Ray of Canuck. Yeah. Um, we sell a lot of beer. Um, our team works extremely hard on it. Uh, but we also make sure that we're rotating stock very efficiently. So uh, that store that you went to might have got something on Tuesday and they ran out uh, mm-hmm. by the weekend. Not optimal for us. But that means our customers are buying it fresh. They're drinking it uh, fresh going back and replenishing uh, the week after. So um, everything we do is about freshness. And I think that is the ethos of Great Lakes, uh, but it also speaks to a, a loose definition of craft beer. Right. And so what do you think kind of the moment, like I know in the recent like years, I say early 2000s or mid 2000s, uh, there's been an explosion of craft breweries, whether it's like America or Canada. Why do you think that's the case? Is it just like more of a fascination of a passion towards a uh, craft brewery or is there certain economic factors also that play along with it? Well, I, I a lot of people don't talk about this, but in the in the 90s, there was a big explosion of craft breweries mm-hmm. as well. So that first wave that came in the, the early to mid 1980s, and then by the end of the 1980s and early 90s, you saw breweries starting to crop up. And, you know, like I said, I, I come from a, an area near really Ontario. They had a little brew pub um, that folded not long after, but a region started to open up these breweries. And the theory is that a lot of people, and, and while well, I say Bay Street types, they were sinking money into it because it was a cool thing to do. Mm-hmm. Ah, we're going to make our own beer. We're going to have our own beer company. We're going to grow it one day and sell it to one of the big companies and make millions of dollars. Uh, by the late 1990s, a lot of those breweries shut down. So there was a lot of brewing equipment out there for uh, really passionate home brewers to buy. They started buying it, and that's where we saw that second wave of breweries kind of the mid 2000s is is the opening places like steam whistle and the mill streets um black oak and cameron's uh and so i think it was a combination of hearts in the right place in the mid 2000s uh we're seeing other breweries be successful doing this uh we're seeing the explosion of u.s craft brewing markets uh in all states growing exponentially overnight. And so I think a lot of people took the business acumen with their home brewing acumen, tried to put something together to create a business uh, in their local community. Uh, we move forward now into the, to the mid 2010s and onwards. 
And we're seeing a lot more uh, people opening breweries, not in big uh, markets like Toronto um, or, um, or, you know, Kitchener Waterloo has an explosion, but places like uh, small towns, um, right. you know, that might have 25 to 30,000 people are right. now having two to three breweries open up in those regions. So um, uh, I think communities, people have understood that you bring a brewery to a community, you're going to grow your downtown you're going to keep people uh, focused uh, on shopping local. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so it's a whole combination of things. But I, I do believe that the explosion has to do with uh, passion and um, and a real thirst for craft beer, to be honest. Right, right. And, and so it's a cool it's a cool industry to work in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that brings us to our next point here. So uh, you obviously mentioned like Great Lakes Brewery has kind of exploded in uh, the recent years. Um, and so what, what did kind of your focus on the marketing strategy, um, compared to like in the early days versus now, and like, how's that kind of strategy helped you guys kind of really grow? I, I think one of the things that always comes to mind when I think Great Lakes Brewery is those amazing designs that you guys have on your cans. It really stands out from all the other beers. Like I'm walking by and I instantly see these cool designs and it makes me intrigued. Like, let me try this out. So is that kind of a factor as well in terms of your strategy of uh, growing the brand? Well, you just nailed it, right? That's what we're looking to get people to do. So we want someone to walk through an LCBO or a grocery aisle uh, and see our can, pick it up and kind of chuckle. Uh, that's a fun name or yeah. that's a that's a fun drawing, a lumberjack riding a log going down the, the water that okay what's all about they turn and read the back you know we talk about it's an american style beer but we're canadian he's a lumberjack wearing plaid so stereotypical of us what have we done and then you know we apologize on the copy on the back we say we're sorry and so you guys both just had a chuckle there that's exactly what we want people to yeah. do while they're standing in uh the lcbo beer section and people will then tend to put that beer into their cart get it home crack it open. They have an emotional connection to it now because they took the time to look and read it. So we say you get it home, you get two sips in you, we have you. We think you'll be a repeat customer because we believe in the product itself. Our brewers are some of the best brewers in this country. Um, and we have refined and defined some of the styles and that we put out there. And so I do firmly believe that our artwork with our names and our copy really drive home uh, sales, but also uh, gain and retain uh, new customers and old customers alike. So that's one aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, with a focus on marketing too, it's all about, I've said it before, community. How can we build up our community? Because we always talk about in craft beer, support uh, support us, buy local, buy come and support local breweries. If you don't buy Great Lakes, go buy uh, Black Oak in Etobicoke. Everyone wants to build up the community. But then we have to turn it on our on on its head and say, well, if we if we want your support, we need to support you. So right. we get involved in the community, whether it be for fundraisers, charity drives. Uh, we just did one recently with uh, a group called the Southern Ontario Beer Boys, where we just gave them the space at Great Lakes, and they had a cans for kids empties drive, where we collected they collected a whole bunch of empties and they raised. A ton of money, like seventeen hundred dollars, doesn't seem like a lot of money. Yeah, that's over seventeen thousand yeah. empties. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So our community showed up in droves to help out with that, um, and so we've worked really hard over the years to build up the community, which then uh, helps 
drive sales. Uh, so that's one aspect of that, but also fun is another. So fun kind of ties in with, uh, um, with the branding and the marketing of our beers with the colorful labels and the, the artwork, but we do things a little differently at Great Lakes. We do what we want to do. Mm-hmm. We, we, when we say we don't take ourselves seriously, we do, but we act, we don't, we take the beer seriously, but we go into work to have fun. Yeah, if yeah. you're not having fun in a job, get out of the job. Uh, so everyone that shows up to Great Lakes has one goal in mind, and that is to end your day a little better than it was yesterday. Right. And that could be um, by naming a new beer, which is a very team collaborative effort, or it could be um, just sitting around with the group at the end of the day, having a beer and talking about uh, hockey or uh, politics. Uh, yeah. It doesn't matter. We we are a fun group that do fun things uh, because it's fun to do that. Right. Um, and then the last one, I don't love the term. Everyone uses it. And it's an overused word, but authenticity. Um, we're a very authentic brewery. We listen to people. We talk to people. We engage with people. We rely a lot on social media and not just to spread our message, but to talk. And it's a two-way street. So social listening is a big aspect of our marketing um, overall every year uh, because we want to hear what you're saying. If you're telling us that you're not a particular fan of this one beer we will look inwards and say are other people saying that what could we do better how could we approach the market differently maybe the colors weren't the right color so um we don't hold uh i guess we hold we use social media as as pretty much a um a test ground um for new products and, and brands so it kind of wraps up into fun community uh, authentic and, and that social listening engagement. Okay. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And that kind of also brings me to my like, um, next question here is, um, how important is the brand to the longevity of a craft brewer specifically? You've obviously mentioned, uh, community, uh, the culture within the company as well, but in terms of longevity, we see a lot of these craft brewers potentially die out, but how, how important is that brand factor in terms of, um, having customers keep on buying from you guys? I think it's huge. Um, uh, You want repeat customers. Mm -hmm. You want to get new customers, but you want to keep customers coming back to you time after time after. Um, And we're a very trusted brand. Um, And we're trusted uh, because of the the items I just mentioned previously that we we are a very community-based organization. Um, I would say sometimes... And it's cheesy, uh, but we're not in the beer business. We're in the people business. Right. We're, we want to help you discover a brand new beer or a brand new bar that sells our beer um, that makes an impact on your life. And it sounds gr- more grandiose than it, it it is. But if you have a Canuck Pale Ale and it's like, whoa, this is really good. This is a beer that has so much flavor, but it's light bodied. And um, I'm drinking it outside around a cottage and a campfire. Now you're creating memorable moments and uh, it all has to do with a, a beer, a brand. Um, so uh, I, I would go back to the previous answer and say it all is combined with with everything, the authentic, mm-hmm. trusted, community, collaborative. We work with other craft breweries out there in the in the market. Um, at the end of the day, it's not like Labatt and Molson, right, who don't yeah. like each other. Yeah. We'll work with our neighbor down the street. We'll give them cans if they need some empty cans to do a pilot something uh, and we'll say, Hey, can you just throw us some hops instead? And, um, or, Hey, do you want to come over and brew a beer with us? Let's yeah. let's do this thing together. Um, 
So having our brand associated with other breweries, having it fun, having it authentic, doing that listening piece, um, coming up with the fun labels and names, everything is in together into a pod. And it's just, we think we've found that right, uh, that right ingredient that just brings everything together. And people then go out and say, Great Lakes is a trusted name in this industry, uh, mm-hmm. who work with everyone. And uh, at the end of the day, they might be a little bigger than we are, but uh, they're, they're a craft brewery in every right. sense of the word. Right. No, that's awesome. I think I, I love the viewpoint. And this is like the first time I'm hearing someone is just like, you know, we're not fighting with the competition. Technically, we work with them uh, where versus like, you know, larger companies are usually going at war with each other in terms of uh, gaining market share. So I find that pretty interesting. Well, uh, I'll tell you, it's like we do we do compete with our, oh, yeah. our other breweries. But at the end of the day, we might lose out on, say, a bar or restaurant, which, uh, you know, go and support your bar and restaurant right now, your local order takeout. To get some beers to go because they're really suffering right now but um if if a new bar opens and we're going in and we have to compete for a line or we have to try to you know we want to get our our sales reps out there and, and get more market play or market share um but if they go in and they lose to another brewery at the end of the day they'll still have a beer with each other right uh, because it is if craft brewing can um what's the the term like a, a rising tide lifts all boats if we can, if we can all together achieve more market share for craft breweries, that's only better for us. In the at the end of the day, going back to the '80s, remember I said, you know, they they could only rely on radio, TV, newspaper ads, which were dominated yeah. by the big brewers. Like imagine trying to buy um, a TV space um, for Hockey Night in Canada or something yeah. that was dominated by yeah. the big brewers. So how do you get your voice out there? Now it's craft beer and craft brewers and local independent breweries. Everyone knows who they are in their own uh, neighborhood, in their own uh, community. Uh, so if we all work together to get that that uh, craft beer term out there, however you want yeah. to define it, uh, it's better for everyone in the long run. Right. And then uh, what? why do you think, like, specifically, I know uh, individuals in our age, the millennials and Gen Z, are particularly interested in craft beers. Uh, do you f- kind of fundamentally see some, like, maybe psychological factors and or uh, branding factors that play a factor in that? Or is it something just, you know, it's a lighter beer, it's more fresh or those kind of things going on? I think it's everything. I think it's um, supporting local. I think it's they saw their parents drink craft beer and it's the first real uh, generation of uh, parents that were drinking local uh, independently made beer post prohibition. So um, I, the region I grew up in, I didn't see that. I I mentioned the, you know, finding the recyclables on the side of the road going, what are all these different beers? But people who grew up drinking upper Canada or upper Canada, which is now gone, or they grew up drinking, uh, Creamore, they grew up drinking Amsterdam. Well, they've had kids and their kids are of drinking age now. So they've seen the mixed variety of beers throughout the years in their in their parents' homes. So I think that's a big driving factor that no one considers when we talk about how come millennials and Gen Z and uh, how come they're drinking craft. And I think that's a big factor. Uh, the second one is it's, and I don't want to say it's anti-establishment because mm. uh, that sounds corny, but right. <laughs> uh, I think it is. I think it's like they see Molson as what Molson would be now is a big conglomerate brewery that's has tentacles all over the world. And same with Labatt. Um, great companies that started in Canada and they employ some amazing people. 
but at the end of the day, I don't think their core values align with the core values of uh, the younger uh, audience uh, mm-hmm. today. And I could go and sit at Great Lakes Brewery on a beautiful, not right now because of COVID, but yeah. you could go and sit on our patio on a beautiful day with friends, family, see other people of like-minded uh, age and, and backgrounds and uh, diversity. And that's what craft beer does. It brings people together from all different uh, uh, backgrounds because it's great product, yeah. but also back to the community again. They grew up seeing Great Lakes uh, participate in the Santa Claus Parade in Etobicoke. And when they're of drinking age, they want to go check it out. So yeah, um, it's a combination of a whole bunch of things. Right. But I think the one overlooked thing is their parents were likely craft beer drinkers. Right. And that first wave of post-prohibition yeah. brewers. Yeah. You spoke to social media. Like, yeah, Sherston, let me ask you this. Like, how many how many times you see on social media, like, it's not one of the big guys. It's always like a craft brewer or something you always. need. It's always yeah. that with our generation. We never, it's always interesting and appealing. I always find it uh, pretty cool that, you know, craft brewers have found a great market to obviously, um, you know, get into with that, our demographic and uh, just the connection, like you mentioned, that whole community aspect and everything going on is so yeah. powerful. But it's also, a, it, it also shows and through social media, it shows who you are. So right. if you see a lot of social from millennials drinking at a patio in, uh, in Etobicoke at Great Lakes, or they're at a, a cottage or they're at uh, the beach or whatever, and they have uh, Canuck Pale Ale or, you know, our Karma Citra or Thrust, and they're putting that on Instagram or Twitter, or Facebook, uh, TikTok, Snapchat. Um, it's showing that they support local independent uh, business. And then their fans, their friends and fans and followers see that too. And it's a, it's a rippling effect that right. um, it's, it's showing that you support independent business and you support local entrepreneurs and uh, you're, again, that word anti-establishment. So, <laughs> Yeah, for sure. <laughs> How I kind of relate that, at least the community aspect of it, is like, remember when Heineken started uh, labeling their bottles with the country uh, that, that, that they're in? And it was kind of like, you felt like some sort of connection to it, but craft brewers take that a step further because it's like, oh, this is brewed in like, it started in Brampton. Like, I want to support that, right? So it kind of yeah. brings that community aspect another step forward. And I love that. It's, I, I always say, and as a marketer, we always talk about emotional connection. Right. And so we have an emotional connection with our customers. We get to know them by name. So that's something that the big multinational breweries can't do. So uh, on any particular day, customers could walk into our retail store and I walk down from my office and I walk through the store and I could run into five people that I've met either online or in person. So we do, um, we, we take our messaging offline. So you have to be that word again, authentic, but you take your, you take your online presence and you take it offline. You take your Mm -hmm. offline presence and you put it online. If the two don't jive, then people, consumers, customers are going to see right through you. So um, we take that to heart and, and, uh, we understand, okay, yeah, you want to support this business because you grew up in Brampton and it's a cool story. We're creating that emotional connection between you and the brand. And then we're going to create that personal connection between you and me or you and our brewer or you and our retail staff. Yeah. And that sells beer. Right. For sure. Yeah. And um, oh, just, just there uh, before my question there, you, you mentioned that obviously uh, this year, COVID has changed a lot of things. Um, and that's kind of why I, why I wanted to take the conversation here. So 
with that community aspect, one of the coolest things I thought with the Great Lakes Brewery was that once COVID hit, like you guys made a big pivot um, to kind of support uh, the current situation. So um, I know you guys recalled a bunch of uh, uh, kegs of beer from restaurants and bars, and then you pivoted to making hand sanitizers. So can you talk to us about that? Um, how this came about and the challenges around making this change? Because it's to me, it sounded crazy. It's like it's a, it's a beer brewery. Now they're making hand sanitizer. <laughs> but like, how did that come about? So um, it was heartbreaking, number one. Uh, number two, Peter Bullitt, uh, the owner of Grey Lakes, he firmly believes in freshness, too. So our whole, like, for years, we've used fresh GLB. We, we, we have our representatives. We have our bar and restaurants. We have our line cleaning staff. We have everyone out there that works for Grey Lakes or knows Grey Lakes knows that we don't, we, we don't want anyone to have a bad beer. Right. Period. We don't want anyone to have a stale beer, uh, uh, an oxidized beer, so on and so forth. So as soon as all the restrictions were put in place, our uh, sales manager, his name's David Beeman, he's a, a fantastic, fantastic guy um, who's been in the industry a long time. He sat with Peter and just said, "We every beer that we shipped out of here in the last week, every keg, we need to get back. So we, mm-hmm. sent, we sent our staff out across uh, uh, the province to bring back kegs from bars and restaurants. We brought them back to the brewery because we didn't know how long COVID would last back then. You know, you didn't know how yeah. long the shutdown would last. So we, still yeah. we didn't want someone, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we didn't want someone reopening in four months, pouring a five month old beer. Right. So that was first and foremost, we wanted to get our beer back because we cared about the consumer's experience post uh, shutdown. Uh, then we, we wanted to talk with the bar and restaurants. We didn't want them sitting on product and having uh, money tied up on a product that they're not going to use. So right. because we care about our consumer or our customers that are going to be pouring that to consumers. So altogether, we just, again, back to the community aspect, we wanted to make sure our community, both uh, uh, consumers at the bar and the customers, the bars buying the beer, we want to make sure everyone would be happy. Um, so we brought them all back. And we got a Health Canada license right away to produce hand sanitizer. Uh, Peter reached out to Muskoka Brewery. Um, big shout out to Todd in Muskoka, who they had a still sitting at the brewery because they they do have a distillery as well. Yeah. And he said, I want to buy it. I've been meaning to buy it. I want to buy it. Uh, this has all happened. What can we do to get this to Great Lakes? They said, we're going to ship it to you guys or come pick it up. Um, we'll talk financials later. So amazing uh, camaraderie to uh, uh, to Muskoka. We get it in house. We get our uh, license from Health Canada. Boom! We're dumping kegs into uh, totes, and they're running the tote into uh, the still, making hand sanitizer. We donated a whole whack of it to uh, first responders, uh, to some healthcare providers. We worked with uh, Kenrick Pompey at No Weight Medical Foundation to get some proceeds from a beer that features him uh, from his MT, or, uh, Much Music days. Uh, and so we put some money into his pocket to get uh, PPE equipment out to hospitals in the Mississauga region. Um, and then we got the sanitizer right there. Once we started making sanitizer, we said, we have the still, let's get licensed to be a manufacturer of uh, spirits. So get a distillery license. So we worked with the Alcohol and Gaming Commission uh, through COVID, and we received our license. So we can now produce uh, gin, vodka, we can produce uh, spirits at the brewery. So um, that was a huge pivot, a massive pivot that we did. Uh, but it wasn't the biggest one. And I think we can talk about that afterwards, which is our home delivery and 
and online sales. Yeah, for sure. And that was going to be my next question, actually, um, in terms of the capability to pivot into different uh, product lines or different just uh, different situations. I think uh, given 2020, it's kind of like a requirement for businesses to have that in back of mind now. Um, so can you talk to us about uh, what you just mentioned? Here? So you guys have rolled out uh, delivery and, and uh, you mentioned something else. Yeah, so um, I can vividly recall the day that everything started to shut down. Uh, we had a meeting at the brewery and, and we said, okay, what, what are we going to do? Yeah, I guess we got to start selling our beer online for the first time in our history. Right. Um, a lot of other breweries in this province, a lot of smaller breweries have, have been or uh, were already doing that. Um, but it was not something we wanted that community feel. We wanted people to come to us, to come into the tap room, uh, to get a can in hand, to talk to a staff, to get, you know, if someone had a question about the beer, they weren't sending an email. They were talking directly to Gray Lake staff. So um, once COVID hit, we had to we had to pivot very fast. And within four days, uh, our retail store manager, uh, Nick Densmore, uh, along with uh, another staff at the brewery, Gabe, they got our online shop up and running. Uh, we were already using Shopify for merchandise, but now we just added beer. Yeah. And then we had to figure out home delivery and brewery curbside pickup. So we made the decision to shut the store, the physical store down to everyone. We weren't going to open the store. We were going to put all of our bodies on the road. So the first day we went live, it's like we flicked a switch. We put out social media. We wrote blog posts. We said, we are now going to home delivery. And this is our small, small region that we're going to be going to. And it was uh, 427, Highway 427 in the west to okay. Vic Park in the east, 401 down to the water. So it, it doesn't seem massive on a map, but think of how many people live in that yeah, area. Yeah, yeah, the corridor and is pretty big. Yeah. yeah. The very first uh, day that we flicked that switch, we did 78 home delivery orders. So we we're like, okay, we can manage this. Yep. Good. So we had um, myself and the owner, our sales manager, our retail channel manager. We had all managers, all staff in cars doing home deliveries. Um, and by the end of the week, we were up to 200 daily orders. Wow. Uh, by mid-May, we were doing, in some days, we were doing four to 500 orders per day, just home delivery. Wow. Um, and around April, we decided, okay, we have to alleviate some of this because everyone that we know, we're put beer in cars and let's get out there. Um, we said, okay, let's uh, offer curbside pickup, you know, Canadian Tire and big brands were doing right, that. Right, right. Um, so we put another option on our website and, uh, you know, we had the first day 300 or something curbside pickup. So we're like, okay, so now we got to manage the message, the communication. Um, we have to, uh, we don't want to piss people off by running out of product. We would put a beer up for an online release at six 30 or five 30 on a Wednesday and it would sell out in three minutes. And so <laughs> We were we were doing what people wanted of us to do, but we were um, disappointing some people at the same time because we were selling out so fast. So um, our pivot has been very successful, and we're very um, humble for that. Um, very appreciative of all the the people we expanded the territory a bit. So now we go to Scarborough to Rouge River, all the way to uh, the end of Mississauga, the border. Okay. Uh, I think it's um, no, I can't even think of the the exit there but anyway we're um <laughs> we're, we're selling a lot of beer through home delivery and uh, we just opened the retail store 
uh, on Wednesday of this last week. So we had shut down the retail store to physical in-store purchases right. for six and a half months. So our first customer in six and a half months came through our front door the other day and purchased beer inside our store so that we can now have that one-on-one experience again behind plexiglass, but um, it still was a huge, huge pivot for us. Um, and we were able to adapt fast credit to all the staff at the brewery who uh, understood the importance of uh, we got to do something um, to survive. Right. And um, we pulled out all the stops. We worked around the clock. We hosted zoom uh, sociables, we called them. So every Tuesday you could have, uh, it was like the Brady bunch. We'd have, I would be, I would moderate and we'd have six or so other great lakes staff and people could just join us for a beer on right. Tuesday night. And the community came in and sat around the computer, drank beers. We told stories about, um, you know, behind the scenes stories. And uh, we just kept that community aspect in place uh, through all of this. And um, the rewards, like you'd show up to someone's house and they'd have on their sidewalk, uh, sidewalk art of our octopus, octopus wants to fight IPA. (laughs) And you'd walk up and they'd say, we miss you, Great Lakes. And it was just, it was so humbling and so amazing and so uplifting in a dark period in the in Ontario beer in Ontario in general for sure yeah that's amazing I think uh, you guys have done a lot to kind of pivot and serve the consumers as best as you can and to everyone who's upset that you guys are running out it's just it's just a testament to how good your beer is right so thanks uh, and you know what we always said too like think about it beforehand when we would do a release of a specialty beer we put it in the store so you'd have to come to the store now right and at the start of uh, home delivery, um, you had to live in the catchment area in order mm-hmm. to order it. As soon as we started offering curbside pickup, if you lived in Kingston, you could literally put in an order online and drive down on the weekend and pick it up. Right. So we went from, you know, selling out in a week to two weeks to three hours yeah. or three minutes because we opened up the pool to consumers and um, people in and uh Burlington, for example, who are just outside the catchment area, they may have been putting in big orders for friends and family and then coming and doing one big pickup. So uh, we learned a lot through through the early days of COVID. And right. uh, now it's about managing expectations, moving into potentially another big uh, shutdown coming soon. So for sure. So if uh, I mean, Amin didn't get it this weekend. So if he is going to restock this week, what's yeah, I, I, honestly, I'm just going to go <laughs> to another LCBO. Let's check it out. <laughs> see, see if it's there. Otherwise, I'll obviously visit the uh, shop now. Now, now. Well, week. the shop now. They are there. You go right now. I think yeah. there's 21 different beers available in the store. So you come in. You can't hang around inside. You, you're in and out, but uh, you will be able to get beer fresh from the source. Uh, right. 21 different sure. beers. We love it. We'll love it. And uh, when he does it, we'll post it up. But uh, that kind of wraps up like the, the the business side and like the story behind the brand. We wanted to end off with a, with a bit of a lightning round where we kind of just toss you some quick questions and you can uh, answer the first thing that comes to mind. For sure. Yeah, let's go. Awesome. Uh, so first off, can you tell us your favorite book or movie of all time? Uh, my favorite movie of all time? It, it, it changes all the time. <laughs> That's fair. Um, every fall, it's Rudy. Um, it's on Netflix right now too. So you can go and watch Rudy on right. Netflix. Uh, I love the story. I love, uh, again, we talked about the emotional connection. I remember that, uh, I know this is a lightning round. I suck at lightning rounds, but, uh, <laughs> um, 
uh, we were on a high school football trip um, and they played that movie on the bus. And like, you know, when they start chanting Rudy at the end, the whole right. bus was chanting Rudy. And it was like, that will forever live in my mind. Yeah. And so that, that would be probably if I had to choose one movie that I would take wherever I'd probably be Rudy and dances with the wolves is a second one. I love nice. that movie. Nice. Um, awesome. Cool. Awesome. Uh, favorite book. I don't have a favorite book. There's so many <laughs> good ones out there. And, and over, over my life, I've read so many good ones. I wouldn't be able to pinpoint one. Um, I can't even think of one off the top of my head that I would say this is near my favorite. Yeah. Totally fair. Totally fair. So uh, next up, what is your favorite uh, brew at Great Lakes Brewery? Maybe it's the one you're drinking right now. It's Canuck Pale Ale. Um, uh, we have a saying that it's the beer that runs through the bloodstream of all of our employees. So if we were to go to a give blood, they'd have to pull a pint of Canuck before they got to the blood. Right. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, it would be Canuck number one. I am enjoying this beer, Absacker. Um it's a collaboration beer that we did. Uh, we bought some equipment from uh, some companies in Germany. Um, and during the process of buying them, we had a friend in Germany who brought some other friends to the brewery on a trip. And that friend happened to be a brewer, one of the youngest brewers in Germany um, from the brewery. I have to look at it. It's Rittmeier Brewery uh, in Hollendorf, Franconia, Germany. Family-owned brewery since 1422. And this guy came over and like, well, since you're here, do you want to brew a beer with us? And so he uh, spent some time with our brewers and showed them how to do a real authentic German Hellas. And uh, I love it. It's so good. Um, but it's really tough because tomorrow I might go to the brewery and go, oh, we have Devil's Pale Ale right now. That's a nostalgic beer. I'll drink one and go, this is my favorite beer right now. So, yeah. um, but I'd have to, Canuck Pale Ale for sure is number one, hands down, my favorite beer. Awesome. I'm going to have to try that soon. Uh, next it's available, question. It's available in 400 or so LCBOs yeah. across the province. Yeah. We love it. We love it. Uh, so on that note, with the business itself, uh, throughout your journey, what is probably your favorite memory uh, at, at GLB? It's without a doubt, 100%. Uh, 2017 is our 30th uh, anniversary. Right. Um, and I went to the owner in 2016 and said, let's make a documentary. Let's see if we can find a videographer. Um, we had a guy doing some piece work for us and we said, okay, this is going to be a big endeavor, but we want to create like a 10 minute documentary, like a 10 minute mini doc. And at the end of shooting, you know, 200 hours of footage and going through all the archives, uh, we have a 45 minute documentary that's available for free download on our Vimeo account, YouTube. Uh, you can find it on our website. Uh, but we, we did collaboration brews with beer media, brewers, bar owners, friends and suppliers. We did uh, parties throughout the whole year. And then we had a big debut of this, uh, or premiere, I should say, um, of this documentary in Etobicoke at uh, the Etobicoke. Uh, it's a little independent theater. Um, we rented it out and brought 200 people in to watch this documentary, had beers, and it will be forever my, my favorite moment. Um, and my cheesy moment is probably just having the interactions with, uh, with all the, um, our supporters online and offline every day is a, is a great memory and it's a great uh, experience. For sure. We love that so much. Uh, last but not least, we know that beer pairs well with pizza. So we have to ask you when you get pizza, do you get pineapple on it or not? 
I I will get pineapple on pizza if I'm in the mood. So yeah, I'm gonna say yes. Okay, and okay. You hesitated pair, there, so <laughs> no pineapple on pizza. I'm in the pro camp on that, but you got to pair it with a Belgian saison, and uh, you'll get that nice uh, saison yeast, the pepperiness, the the, the bigger carbonation, the creamy mm. mouthfeel. And that works well with the pineapple. So pair them up nicely together with a nice Belgian saison. We need to feature that because I think that's the most detailed answer about <laughs> pineapples and pizza that we've got since. And we ask this question to everyone. We ask yeah. this question to everyone. So you know your taste. We love it. We well, love now it. that I say everyone listening, you got to try pineapple yeah. and pizza with a Belgian saison. doesn't have to be a Great Lakes saison. Uh, go ahead and find one and you'll, uh, you, can, you can thank us later. Amazing. Amazing. Troy, thank you so much for your time. We had so much fun with this and uh, we're super excited to see where uh, the brewery heads and I'm super excited to get myself a can this week. Yeah, no, this has been great fun. It's a great way to spend a day and I'm going to go get another beer. Come visit us at uh, the brewery, 30 Queen Elizabeth Boulevard in, in Etobicoke. Uh, we're open seven days a week and follow us on our social. We'll chat. Yeah, awesome, awesome. man. Troy, uh, we'll definitely stay connected moving forward. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.